pleased. We're in the book of Philippians. As you know, we've entered into our new annual theme of member, being members one of another. And uh, to help us in this, we're preaching through the book of Philippians, studying through it on in Sunday mornings. Philippians is about joy, rejoicing in the Christian life. And uh, that theme is no better stated than in the thematic verse, chapter 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Um, last time, a number of weeks ago, we studied chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, that really introduced the theme rejoicing in our gospel partnership. We follow up with that today in verses 7 through 11 in chapter 1, the expression of our gospel partnership. Our gospel partnership will look like something. That means something. And verses 7 through 11 tell us really much about what it ought to look like. If we're truly experiencing, as a local church, gospel partnership, one with another, members one of another, in the living out and the dissemination of the gospel, then it will look like something. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 11, talk to us, tell us about how that will appear, beginning in verse 7. Even as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long after you all in the tender mercy, the bowels of Jesus Christ, the tender mercy, the sympathies, if you will. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Two primary note uh, points. Guys, I don't have my channel changer. I don't know where it is either, Brother Sailor. Um, sorry, uh, I'm, uh, I'm kind of out of, uh, out of rhythm right now. She has. <laughs> the wife never has the channel changer because the wife wants to stay on a channel and stay there. The husband, on the other hand, he doesn't care what's on. He only cares what else is on. And, uh, and he, he changes the channel all the time. Um, two primary note points if you're taking notes. Thanks for getting that, Brother Sailor. Uh, and the first one is Paul's love for the Philippians. The love of the saints. Members one of another means there is uh, spiritual, biblical love for one another. Paul had won these people to the Lord. He planted this church, the church at Philippi, on his second missionary journey, as you remember, in Acts chapter 16. And the Philippian church was near and dear to this apostle's heart. He loved the believers, and he expressed that to the believers at Philippi in no uncertain terms. And folks, love for the church, for the body of Christ, is a quality Hear it. Every believer has without exception. Now, it doesn't mean that every believer always expresses that, always lives that out. It always is real and alive and active, but every believer has a. You say, well, how can you be so dogmatic on that? Because Scripture is dogmatic on it. It says in 1 John 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life, not because we can quote John 3, 16, not because we know the Bible books in order. No, we know that we've passed from death and life because we love the brethren. We love the church. 
We love the body of Christ. He that loveth not his brother abides in death. And folks, I am concerned. I truly, uh, uh, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm heavily concerned for those who say, I know Christ, I know the head, and yet I don't have any use for the body. What? What kind of an odd uh, dynamic is that? It, it's certainly one which is unbiblical to have little or nothing to do with the church his body and yet to say that I uh, love and support and follow the head no the body follows the head and the whole body is to follow the head not just uh, uh, those who feel like they want to so folks the local church is no uh, little thing it is no insignificant issue Uh, the church is the body for whom Christ died. The head gave himself. And so when it comes to loving others, we're not commanded to work it up because we're already told that we do love one another if we're truly following the head. So we're not working it up. We're simply pouring it out. We are pouring it out. Biblical love is not primarily an emotion that I work up. It is primarily an action which I live out. Amen? And so the Word of God is very clear on that. For God so loved the world that he had a a, a warm, fuzzy feeling that went up his celestial spine. No. (laughs) Say it with me. The next two words. For God so loved the world, what? He gave. He demonstrated it. It it took on form. It took on uh, action. For that is an action word. Biblical love then uh, is commanded. um, it's, It's part of the, it's inherent within the body of Christ because it's poured out in our hearts. It's who we are in our new nature. That is, we are the personification. Uh, We're the reservoir of God's love. The love of God is shed abroad, uh, painted with a big brush across our hearts by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. He's been given to us, therefore, we will live it out. uh, because that's who he is and he is in us. In fact, to such a degree that the very first item mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love, agape. It's not, by the way, if you'll notice in verses 7 and 8, it is not my love for you. It is God's love for you through me. Notice, if you will, um, Uh, that uh, we are all partakers of his grace, that is God's grace. Paul and them, he says, my grace, meaning the grace that I've received is the very same grace that you've received. The the love of God that I've received is the very love which you have received. And so as a fellow believer, I'm God's conduit of love for you, and you are for me. And again, love is not a warm feeling. It's not sentimentality. It's not having uh, nice thoughts about someone, therefore I love you. No, love is moving out. It is active. Uh, It is demonstrative. It is showing that to others. By faith, we express love to others. In fact, 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, that is just saying it, but In deed and in truth, in actions, in ministry, uh, in uh, not saying I love children, but demonstrating it by 
working in Awana, by being a part of children's choir, by whatever it might be that we do. It's not saying uh, that I love uh, those who are hurting. It's actually going to the hospital, going to the nursing home, and caring for others. Folks, it's not agape love. It's not biblical love toward one another unless it is expressed in action and based on truth that is genuineness. So it can't be just going through the motions. It can't be that, okay, I'm going to serve you, but really I'm kind of indifferent in my heart. That's not biblical love. It is a passion in one soul, an affection deep in one soul, which is expressed toward one another. It's gut level. It's sincere. It's heartfelt. And it's active and makes a difference. Moves out and makes a difference. So look for someone, some ministry, that you, in which you can pour your life into loving, walking about in love. Paul's love for the Philippians in verses 7 and 8. Specifically, now, first of all, he loved them in that he believed in them. Look at verse 7, if you would. Even as it is, it's right for me to think this of you. I ought to think this of you. And it, and it follows the declaration of verse 6. What did he say? He says, I'm confident. I have great assurance that this very thing, that the, the gospel that God be, began in you, he will complete it at the return of Christ. Therefore, it is fitting, it is proper that I think this of you, that he will continue this work. I believe you're going to stay faithful. I believe you're going to stay with the stuff. I don't believe you're going to throw in the towel. That's what the Apostle Paul told the Philippian believers. Um, and folks, that's how we, uh, we are with one another here at Redbridge. How is it that scores and scores of folks can have that heart toward one another? Well, the way that we know it's true it's because when one of us stumbles into sin, intentionally goes into sin, when one of us forsakes the will of God, dismisses it or whatever, the rest of us are grieved. You know the times that we've uh, exercised church discipline around here, all the way to the point of excommunication. It is a grievous thing in the, in the life of a church, in the heart of the body of Christ, when that happens. Amen? That means because we're believing the best in one another. In fact, love says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love believes all things. I believe the best about you. I believe if you tell me uh, you are saved and you are living for God, I'm believing and you're going to go ahead and, and, and God's going to complete that. He's going to perfect that until he takes you home. And, and to, for something other than that to happen uh, is going to grieve me because of the love that I have for you and that you have for me. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things, even when difficulties come. Folks, even when uh, you get your nose out of joint because of something that I say or do or maybe don't do, that you ha had an expectation on me and I failed you, or maybe it was an unrealistic expectation and I didn't even know about it and you still think I failed you. Biblical love says, I'm going to endure all things. I'm going to go to the cross with this. I'm going to sacrifice my own will, and I'm going to live unto him and love you, even with your warts, even with your fumbling the ball, as it were. And, and, and you are doing that toward me, and I am doing that toward you. Now, that is heaven on earth. Amen? 
And by the way, that includes marriage, and that includes uh, uh, parenting, and, uh, well, it doesn't need to include grandparenting, but who doesn't love grandparenting, amen? So, <laughs> okay, um, <clears throat> Paul held his brothers and sisters in his heart, and that is our church. That is Redbridge. We hold one another in our hearts. Now, does that mean 100% all the time, everyone uh, without fail? Certainly not, because we still walk through this world. We're still tempted. uh, uh, I can still get my feelings hurt, and on and on. But generally speaking, uh, that is, where are my glasses? Generally speaking, that is who we are. I love what uh, the the eminent Greek scholar A.T. Robertson astutely wrote. He says, the pastor who, like Paul, holds his people in his heart, will find them holding him in their hearts. Isn't that a great point of theology? And you can say the church member who holds one another in his or her heart will find that that person is also held uh, very tightly in one's heart. And so Paul, for him, it was affection, but it was affection by reflection because he wasn't with them. He was in Rome under house arrest. You all following that? Uh, this is a prison epistle. And he said, notice in chapter 1, he said in verse 3, I thank my God upon every what? Remembrance of you. It was affection by reflection, knowing what they meant to him. And folks, I've had uh, uh, an ample amount of time in the past three weeks to reflect on so many of you. I mean, just lots and lots of you. And I don't, there's not a single one, there is not, with God as my witness, not a single Red Bridger with whom I don't have a great, toward whom I don't have a great measure of affection in my heart. That's a God thing. That's not glory on me. Y'all, y'all see that? That's how it ought to be. That's what this text is saying. Or else the Apostle Paul was just blowing smoke. Well, he wasn't. He says, I have great affection on my reflection of you. My heart just swells with love for the body of Christ. Wow, what a glorious text this is. He believed in them. Secondly, he suffered for them. We see that at the end of verse 7. If you'll notice, he suffered for them. In as much, I've got you in my heart, even in my bonds... And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. Meaning, we, you shared in the grace of the gospel. I've shared in the grace of the gospel. We have collectively uh, and uh, hearts together shared in that. And my bonds are the proof. I brought the gospel to you and others, and it cost me uh, incarceration and uh, even especially uh, uh, in Philippi, I mean, he was living high on the hog in Rome under house arrest. People could come and go and see him. And all. But in Philippi, on the second missionary journey with Silas, he was put in a, a, a dark, dank, damp uh, uh, dungeon. And, uh, and it wasn't fun at all. And in the stocks at midnight, they were singing and praising, and God sent an earthquake. So he actually was in bonds for the Philippians That's the kind of love he had for them. Notice what he wrote to the Ephesians, also a prison epistle. In chapter 2, going into verse 19, going into chapter 3. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. 
In other words, you're part of the body. You're part of the household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building is being fitly framed together. It's growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Anybody a Gentile in here? Join me and be a couple of you. Are just a couple of okay. He did this by faith for you, even though he believed the Lord was going to return in his lifetime. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. But that didn't happen. He did what he did for you. And folks, don't we do that as well? We do what we do. And folks at Redbridge for 50, <clears throat> coming up 58 years in the fall, since we've been constituted as a church, have given and have prayed and have served and have ministered, believing that until Jesus returns, we will have a lighthouse on this corner. They did it for us. You follow that? And guess who, for whom we're doing that? The next generation, right? Right? Anybody grateful for grandchildren, great-grandchildren? Pray for great-grandchildren and great-children. Kathy and I were just discussing, uh, Brother Chris, uh, yesterday I think it was. She says, we're probably going to be great-grandparents. And I said, well, that gave me a skip in my step. Well, (laughs) as it were. We're doing it for the next one, uh, for the next generation, that the generation to come, as it says in in the book of Psalms. We had that as a theme at a Haiti Home of Hope uh, conference many years ago. That the, no, no, it wasn't. It was a a world missions conference that we had that. That the generation to come might know God. And so we give, and we give faithfully uh, in our senior adult years. And we write the church into our life insurance contract, as I did many years ago. And we faithfully serve, and we pray, and we encourage, and we disciple, and all that. Why? So that the gospel would go to the next generation, and the next generation, and we'll be long in his presence by then. That's what Paul said. He suffered for them. Notice, the church partook of this with him, notice at the end of verse 7, he says, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're a partaker with me. You also will suffer. Now, folks, I've said, it, uh, I've said it before. I've always believed that we could get in trouble with our government for what we believe and what we say around here. Holding a hard line uh, to biblical doctrine and orthodoxy and we always have in the history of this church to god be the glory in 58 years in the history of this church we have held high to the inerrancy and the authority of the written word of god amen Amen. to god be the glory and that's going to continue by his grace and for his glory but it very well may actually cost us now and i'm the ringleader as it were i'm the conspirator against Everything society wants to do, so they got to get somebody. And I'm, I'll take that. That's fine. I sure hope there's a line of Redbridgers outside of the jailhouse door saying, take us too. Take me too. Take me too. Amen? Paul said, you are suffering with me. 
um, in the defense and the confirmation, the, the giving credibility to the gospel message. <laughs> That's biblical love. He believed in them. He suffered for them. He witnessed to them. That's what, how it all got started. He says, for God is my witness. How greatly I long after you. In, he testified to them of his love is, is really the idea there. It's a better one. I wish I would have said that. He testified to them. Because we think of witnessing as sharing the gospel. In this case, he was testifying that God knows how I feel about you. Um, the word there is the word from which you get the word apologetics. And he, uh, he said, uh, uh, I've established you who believe. Uh, I've given you a defense of the gospel in and through my own life. Folks, because God's love is in our hearts, we love one another. And Paul even said that he would call God to, to the witness stand to say that his love for them was genuine. Now, it's more than human love. It is a spiritual attachment. I go right back to where I started. The body of Christ we are hooked together by ligaments and tendons and muscle and bones and, and uh, the, the foot bones connected to the leg bone. The leg bones connected to the thigh bone. And all. God designed the physical body that way. And he has designed the spiritual body, his body, that we be connected one to another. And we do so in love. I wrote this note down. I just discovered it or rediscovered it. I, I, th I wrote it 30 plus years ago to myself. And I wrote this. I, I hope this flies. I hope this plays in Peoria. Love for one another is the oil in the spiritual gears to keep the machinery of the church running smoothly. You can do all kinds of things right in the local church. You can have... Uh, programs and promotions and planning and even prayer you can have uh, increased budgets and buildings and 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 baptisms and all the rest you can canvas your area you can send out missionaries but folks if we don't have demonstrative biblical love deep-seated affection in our hearts one for another first corinthians 13 says it's just noise. It's just activity. Social clubs can do these things. And that is not who we are, and I thank the Lord for that. Love for God, one another. It's the expression of our gospel partnership. <clears throat> Notice, and we'll get off this point of love. He says, I greatly long after you all longed for it's the word for desire but it has a prefix hyper i hyper desire i hyper affectionate <laughs> you i mean he was laying it on the line here to the philippians and they knew it and they believed it and in fact he said it's reciprocal because you you love me that very same way. So I challenge you here on this point. Got your listening ears on? Is there anyone, anyone 
in the body of Christ, at this church, and even at large, but uh, let's just restrict it to right here. This is a workable number. Is there anyone with whom you don't have good chemistry? You see, I don't understand that. I really do not understand. There's not a single one of you I don't love. And so if there is someone here with someone else that you're not experiencing that, well, that's an oddity, right? Am I, am I overemphasizing love? <laughs> we love one another. Why? God is love. Is there someone in the body of Christ that things are not, it doesn't, it's not going well with your soul? If that's the case, do not wait another moment. Get up even while I'm preaching. Say, God help me. I repent. I want to be restored in gospel partnership with you. Secondly, you guys, when, when you've been about ready to lean back out and not do that, <laughs> that would be put on Facebook by somebody. <laughs> or tweeted or twerked or whatever they call those things. Who knows? I don't even know what it is. Um, I don't have a clue where I was going with that. I know where I was going with it. I said, get up even right now. When you've been in the ministry 40 years, you've been in the same church for that long. You take a lot of, you can, you're, you're allowed to take a lot of risks. Because you've come to learn and experience the good times and the difficult times with one another. And so I just believe that you all, I just believe you love me. And I know in my heart that I love you. Now that, God will bless that. You can do all kinds of things right, as I said. But if this one isn't intact, yeah, God's already left the station on the last train. Secondly, there's another element. You guys are not listening even close to fast enough. It's his prayer for the Philippians. His prayer for the Philippians. We see that again. Saw it earlier in the chapter in verse 3. Now again, he once again emphasizes the critical importance of prayer in the body of Christ. Very quickly, I'm going to blow through this. He prayed that they would grow in their love. And this I pray. That your, verse 9, that your love may abound yet more, just superabound in knowledge and in all judgment. Two ways, two qualities that he wanted their love to grow, and he prayed for them in this. First of all, that their love would be based on truth. And that's exactly what he told the Ephesians, that they would speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4 and verse 15, that you would grow in him. And, and folks, biblical love is always based on truth. It's not on sentimentality. Well, I have a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Or I'm supposed to love you, therefore uh, uh, I'll feel nice towards you. No, it's not sloppy agape. 
It is based on bedrock truth of Scripture. And so I can love you and not love what you're doing right now. And similarly, you can love me, but you're going to call me on the carpet because of love. Right? Amen? It's a tough love, if you will. Alec Motyer, theologian, wrote, We grow in proportion as we know. To grow as a Christian is to grow in one's grasp of the truth in breadth and depth. Ignorance is a root cause of stunted growth. So we grow, uh, uh, we, the prayer was that they would grow in love based on truth and based on perception. Notice at the end of verse 9 that you would grow in love, more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. This word is not the Greek word for wisdom. That's not what it is. It's the word which speaks of being able to discern right from wrong. For instance, if I go outside and I'm totally blindfolded, or uh, uh, if I was blind, if you were blind, and you went outside, you would be able to tell if it were raining or if it were sunny, if it were hot or if it were cold, right? Couldn't you do that if you were blindfolded, right? How, how can you do that? Because over time and over experiences, you've been able to discern that. That's the word here. You've been able to judge correctly by virtue of what you have experienced. Well, we're members one of another. And if I'm aloof, if I'm distant, if I'm detached from the body, oh, I'm a part of the body. I love and follow Jesus and I'm here. But, but, but if I'm not deeply integrated into the lives of one another, then I can't discern in a way which is going to move the body forward. I'm going to be uh, just running, running blind without any, any history, any understanding. Greek scholar Kenneth Wiest wrote, A Christian can have an understanding, so-called, knowledge of the word, that is, be able to explain its meaning to others without having an experiential knowledge uh, of the same. In other words, I can teach you about what the words mean, but I'm not living it. But when that Christian has put the Word of God into practice in his life, then he has what Paul is talking about here. So love must be based on truth, and it must be discriminating. Why? Because of verse 10. I want you to do this, I prayed, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He prayed that they would walk in spiritual victory. They would walk in spiritual victory. So his, his prayer is for love, that it would grow, that they would walk in spiritual victory. That is, I want to uh, approve, put a stamp of acceptance, a stamp of you passed the test uh, uh, on that. Uh, Kathy and I were teasing with my class this morning that uh, she bought me this is so great. Uh, while I was going to be home two, three weeks without, off my feet, I, I was lamenting and complaining that I tried to balance a chemical equation uh, about uh, three months ago, and I couldn't do it. And I have a degree in chemistry, but I haven't looked at it in 45 years. So she brought me uh, a workbook on balancing chemical equations. I'm in hog heaven. <laughs> and when she come, came home from work at uh, the last week, um, she checked my homework. <laughs> And she got the answer key, uh, and she made sure that my answers were correct, and why, and why, why did you put this answer, and this and that. Uh, in other words, she was discriminating about whether or not I passed the test. That's what it means here. 
I'm praying for you that your love would increase so that you may have passed the test resulting in things that are excellent, that you would carry through, sincere, without offense, until the time of Christ. Let me give you a summary translation in my own words for verse 10. For the purpose of you, continually, continuously approving the things that differ. In other words, is this accurate or is this not? So that you may be found brightly pure, transparent, and without offense until the day of Christ. Now, that is, that's somewhat verbose. The bottom line is, he prayed their love would increase, their walk in victory would be sure. Right? So he's Loving them, and he is praying for them all the time. Finally, he prayed that they would manifest fruitfulness. Not be stagnant, not just be filled with knowledge, but it would play out. The rubber would hit the pavement, and they'd make a difference for the cause of Christ. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. He's the one who produces it. It's God who works in us, works in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure unto the glory and praise of God. And notice, I almost, I, I almost missed this. I want you to notice this. There's something very uh, hidden, kind of hidden, it, it, it's obscure, in verse 11 about orthodox theology. Notice, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. The fruit that believers have is the fruit of the Spirit, then notice on in verse 11, which are by Jesus Christ, he's generating it. The Spirit of God is uh, producing it unto the glory and praise of God. What do we see intimated in verse 11? What is it? The triunity of God. And so he, the Apostle Paul, uh, is invoking the blessing and power and anointing of the triune God in prayer. Father, Son, Spirit, would you cause them to be fruitful in every good work? Again, I like what this new commentator that I found, Alec Motyer, summarized. He says, the growing point for the Christians, as Paul discerns it, is love. A seed from which he anticipates vigorous growth as it abounds more and more. It's up thrusting shoots that is coming up from the ground are received and held by two stakes knowledge and all discernment and under their control that is the control of knowledge and discernment proper judgment begin to put forth leaves and blossoms first the distinctive lifestyle of the christian as we approve what is excellent that is we we weigh in the balance and we discern what is proper and then At the very heart of this lifestyle, the fair blossom of holiness in both the inner person and the outer behavior. Finally, there is the perfected fruit, a righteousness adequate even for the great day itself. So folks, this text, verses 7 through 11, blows me away. It's the expression of our gospel partnership. And it is expressed as members one of another in loving one another throughout life, praying for one another day by day. It 
it ought to consume a member of the body. And we're a part of the same local body. That heartbeat ought to be how we are characterized if we're going to share in a gospel partnership. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word and what a powerful passage this is. How we give you thanks and glory for all you have done throughout time and and what you're doing in the life of this local church in the here and now. So thankful for that. Lord, bless your word to our hearts that if there are even presently uh, infractions um, in love, uh, uh, injury in loving one another with any one of us, any number of us, Lord, would you Bring that to complete resolution, complete resolution, so that those with bad chemistry would be able to balance equations again, (laughs) loving one another and rejoicing in you with one another. Have your will and way in and through this time. Lord Jesus, your glorious name we pray.